What's going on, everybody? It is Triple Crown 24 back today, back from my recess from a sports card psychology podcast. A little busy last week, but uh, very glad to be back with this week's show. This one should be a fun one. Uh, we're going to be talking about today kind of the new debate in the hobby of collectors versus investors and why there's almost like these two factions that we see. And there's many reasons why why we do this. To give you an, an example, I bet nobody thought I was going to be bringing this out today. I have this P-Touch label maker here. And you're probably wondering why am I even showing off this label maker that's older than I am. It's because I love order. I use this thing at least weekly. Uh, I always know where it is. I keep it nearby because I love labeling things. It provides order. It's something we as human beings like to have that order. We like to know what to expect when we open a drawer or open a box. And that's why labeling is such a key tool for us. But we also use it to label people. And we see that often by compartmentalizing people in the hobby by maybe adding this investor or new age collector tag to their name, or perhaps trying to label ourselves as a pure collector, a true collector. I've heard them all. And there's a lot of different adjectives you can use. So most of you watching my show here probably come from an audience that is more towards that older collector. You've been in the hobby for quite some time. Maybe you've left, maybe you've come back a little bit. But for the most part, you've been around for a while. And I have a guest today who has a fantastic YouTube channel, who has a fantastic audience as well who has a lot of content and a lot of interaction with people who may be part of that more new age. And what we really want to do today is kind of break down why there is this almost divide between these two sides when really there probably doesn't need to be. In fact, I'm going to say it myself, there doesn't need to be. So my guest today, you know him from YouTube, and probably some other places as well, is t Reich 415 Sports Cards, my friend Troy. How you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for uh, having me on. I'm excited to do this. Absolutely. Uh, we'll get right into it here today. So um, I don't usually do too much of a backstory when talking about it, but just introduce yourself a little bit so that we have some more context behind uh, this for anyone who may not be familiar with your channel. Yeah, uh, so I'm Troy. I have a sports card channel, Trike 415 Sports Cards talk a lot about uh like like jt kind of mentioned i would say it's mostly i like to think it's informational educational you might have uh you know like a, a new a new video i was just doing today is like how to find deals on ebay like how i like to search for certain lots and stuff that doesn't usually come up um so yeah i mean i've been doing the channel for maybe almost a year and a, maybe two years now a full two years now and uh you know, I I know JT actually when I was first, you know, when I did my first PSA submission, he was like such a great guy and he was answering all my questions as someone who was definitely newer to PSA submissions for sure, but also newer to the hobby. So, uh, you know, I, that's that's admitted. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Just <laughs> Sorry, I kind of rambled there with that. But yeah, that's who I am. Hey, this show is all rambling. Anyone who's listened to me and has made it to episode six here, they they are used to my rambling, so nobody here can uh, can really top that. So uh, we, uh, I appreciate the information. And what you said there in terms of giving out information, I think, is really key because I try to do the same with my channel because 
for the longest time, I was a Miguel Cabrera super collector, and I still do pick up Cabrera cards. But I understand that that is probably not everyone's cup of tea. Not everyone has as much passion for this 38-year-old Venezuelan man who hits a baseball very far as perhaps I do. But there are certain things about the way that I approach the hobby or things that I'm doing in building my collection or building my brand as a dealer that can be applicable and things that you can take away as a trying to cater that content. And I, I think for the most part, yours is pretty much the same too, right? I mean, there's aspects of your, your personality, your collection that is influenced in there, but a lot of your information that you give has a much wider scope. Would you say that it's a, um, the content you provide is more geared towards those newer people, or do you think it is generally for anyone, regardless of their experience in the hobby? Um, I think it's definitely, it, it depends on the video. It depends on the video, I would say. Like, I have certain videos that are, like, one of my best videos ever is, quote unquote, how to start sports card investing. Not best, excuse me, but most viewed is how to start sports card investing. And I go over things like, uh, a lot of people get in the hobby and they're like, oh, I'm going to join a bunch of breaks and I'm going to make a bunch of money. So I'm just like, let's let's knock that out right from the beginning. You're not going to make money just by joining breaks. You may get lucky once in a while. But that's not any type of strategy if you're looking to turn a profit, if that's something you're interested in. While I have other videos where I, I try to go more in depth, like uh, I talk about SGC grading and, and where I found success with that. That might be something for someone who's been in the hobby for a while that could help someone like them. So I would say it, it depends. It depends on the video. But also, like you said, I think there is it does skew more towards maybe people who are newer in the hobby or who are interested in once again, that investing uh, side of it, as opposed to sometimes like, like I love your content watching it. You can really feel that passion about collecting, you know, uh, as you put it so greatly, a 30 year old, 38 year old Venezuelan man. And, and people, people really enjoy that where people might come to me and they're like, Oh, I want to, you know, I want to feel that passion more. And, I do have that and I and I have a PC and stuff I really enjoy but for the most part it's not the it's not the main focus of my channel let me say. Very well said. Yeah, I can definitely pick up on that as well. This will probably be a recurring theme because I've already said it once but I'll say it again here too is that even though some people may turn to your channel looking for that investment side. They're looking yeah. to profit off of the hobby. I don't make purchases hoping to lose money. Like I hope that my, I don't hope that my cards go down to zero the next day after I buy them. It is definitely nice to get that, but that isn't, I won't even say it's the sole factor because I don't want to go into that absolute form. Uh, we always make the joke yeah. about that on the show, but uh, I certainly don't do it expecting to lose money. I, that's the way that I built my collection for the longest time was targeting cards that were undervalued in my opinion or whatever was the best deal, just because there is so much to go after. So I totally can relate to that. Um, and I think that we see this a lot too, where a lot of people think that it has to be all or nothing, where you're in it strictly yeah. for the money, or you're in it strictly for the passion of the hobby. What kind of, the, the truth is usually somewhere in between. For you personally, where do you fall on that spectrum? How much of it is really focused on will these cards appreciate in value over time and how much of it is just for that pure intrinsic value of enjoying what you're doing? Well, I'll say 
you know, when people talk about, you know, people who are new to the hobby, a lot of times or especially specifically the quote unquote investors is like, oh, they're just they're just in it for the money. I 100%, you know, I know in my heart, I join because I really enjoy it. That's the number one priority for me. Like, I don't, you know, if you're just purely looking to make money, I'll, I'll say it, anyone, if you if you watch my channel and your only priority is I want to make money, there's better ways to spend your time. I'm sorry, that doesn't mean like you can't make money or there's not great things to do or different things, but check out the stock market, check out NFTs, you know, a, a bunch of different things. So for me, like you said, it, it's somewhere in the middle. You know, I, I, I think it's the, it's more so it's not, this is like a super cop out answer. So you'll just have to take my word for it, but it's more so the, the chase and, and the mindset, the, the psychology of you, if you will, of, of finding the deal rather than actually making the money. Like I, I like that portion of the hobby because it makes me use my mind and it keeps me occupied. We talked a little bit before I'm, I'm in the Philippines. I, I play basketball over here. So it's a, you know, I can't, necessarily be with my cards all the time too that's another aspect but i can always be searching and, and making a flip that'll help me build up to a, a pc card or something I'll, I'll really enjoy or keep in the collection for a long time i don't think anybody out there hates a good deal uh what you know what, no matter how you want to label yourself if you're you know what, whatever camp you think that you fall into that is why there are so many consumer events uh, that's why black friday is as popular as it is in western culture just because it is the savings extra extravaganza people love to get a good deal and people there's something about saving money that just gets us excited there's just something that's firing off in the brain when we are saving money on and, it, and it's for cards it could be for non-card related things too but in terms of this specific discussion yeah, I totally agree with you there. Not being around your cards too. I know that there are a lot of overseas buyers just because of uh, my own personal experiences as a dealer shipping to a lot of these drop ship companies where they're being held remotely or these vault type services where you kind of have your cards held for you uh, or platforms where you may be even able to sell them and they upload scans of them too. So you can kind of see your cards there. It's not the same as holding them, of course, but you can, you can kind of, get that feel for it. Um, let's dive into this divide that I mentioned at the start of this show with collectors and investors, because we've kind of been treading the water a little bit on it and given our own personal experiences. I think for a long time, money has been part of the hobby. It's just that in the past few years, it hasn't been as taboo of a subject and the, the content on YouTube definitely hasn't been as related towards it, whereas we see a lot of channels now that may be more so focused on the financial side of the hobby rather than the, I guess, more so intrinsic value that you may get out of collecting. Why do you think that this divide has become so prevalent in the past few years where you have people who are, I, I mostly see it on the collector side with the resentment towards the investors. I don't necessarily know if it goes the other way around. Perhaps that's something that you can answer too, but where do you think that this divide started in does it kind of go back and forth like that? Well, I think it's been it's actually been stronger, a little bit stronger recently, in my opinion, because the the I told you so is so strong. You know what I mean? Like if I'm if I'm being 100 percent honest on, on why I feel about it. And once again, I I'm speaking from more of the newer side. So this is just my opinion on it. 
I genuinely do think that there was people who were in the hobby for for a long time and they were seeing that people were making legitimately four times their money buying you know uh john morant's even an, an insult i'm a pj washington based prisms people were four or five xing their money on pj washington and you might be holding a a vintage low pop willie mays card and for whatever reason that didn't go up and if i was that person i'd be like I'd be kind of mad too. I'd be like, this is ridiculous. Like, this isn't how the hobby works. And, you know, now that the the market is on the downturn and those same people who were making money off PJ Washington have now lost 90% in, in some instances. So a lot of what I've seen recently is a lot of those same people coming back and being like, see, I, I, I told you so. Like, you shouldn't have been doing that. And it, it's just... I, there's no like right or wrong answer. And I don't want to say like, oh, every collector who feels that way towards investors is just bitter because there's also things like, you know, the the new investors, new people have brought fighting in Walmart, unaffordable wax. Like there has been a lot of bad things that have come into the hobby recently that if I was just especially just purely a collector, I would be I would be really upset about. So I think I think there's a bunch of different factors there, but that's what I've seen. Kind of the the negativity that's coming to the hobby. A lot of times they associate it with the new people, and then also the fact that you know they they a lot of people were making money doing in hindsight, which was was doing things that were like kind of dumb. If you'll if if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's always unfortunate when you hear about those headlines because it kind of is a, a black eye on the hobby in general. When yeah. it, it's just not good optics when people are fighting over twenty dollars blasters in the middle of Walmart. It just yeah. there's there's no good way to spin that, and it's kind of, it kind of goes back to a scientific process almost. You know, you have an environment, you add something into the environment, and something changes, and you have this cause and effect. And I, I think that's where a lot of this correlation is drawn where we didn't see fighting in Walmart before. We mm -hmm. didn't see people um, spending thousands of dollars on third, fourth tier rookies from the class. You know, maybe on the, on the top tier guys, yes, that's been a thing. But um, I think part of that too was opened up by the pandemic. And we've, I think it'll be very interesting in years going forward to kind of look back on the year 2020 and see how the run-up to the eventual peak in the spring of 2021 really happened and why it happened. And one of my ideas behind it, if we can start to look at it retrospectively, is this kind of uh, bubble that we were in where time was frozen. Uh, in that sense that everyone could be speculated on because no sports were happening. Everyone still had all this potential. Nobody really could prove them wrong. And that, that goes to your point too, where you, you know, people were saying, well, I, this is going to go down. I told you so. I told you so. But they didn't really have an opportunity to manifest until several months later when we actually had sports coming back. And then people made excuses towards uh, the shortened seasons or the the bubble in the NBA, for example, where uh, you could maybe write off some poor performances. But now we've kind of had another full season under our belts for all the different sports and that pandemic excuse isn't really as prevalent anymore. You can't really use that to explain a bad performance. Like some of these guys just are not performing and it's not as easy as it might've seen them too. Do you think anything of what I'm saying there is, is true or what do you think has kind of led to this? I told you so type of thing where people were wrong and 
how prevalent do you think that is too? That's that's one of the questions I want to add as a follow-up too, because not everyone who's invested, so to speak, in some of these players has gone wrong. Because the first guy you mentioned is yeah. John Morant. And right now, that's still looking pretty good. Is it is it at the yeah. peak that it was last spring? I don't follow it close enough to say for sure, but I can tell you that it's definitely still up from 2019. And that's the case with a lot of these guys. A hundred percent. Or even if you just pick your picked your spots, like I said, with PJ Washington, if you had like bought at the right time, like for instance, uh, one of the submissions I did with you, I sent in a ton of Tyler hero cards and that was before the bubble. And that was still to this day, like one of the best quote unquote flips I've had because of, how his cards were selling for insane prices during that that bubble run and i was lucky enough to sell some of them uh then um but yeah yeah going back to what you said like what what caused it you know well no one will ever know for sure but it was that potential right like that's when it comes to speculating in sports cards it's all about that potential and during that frozen period in time everyone had all the potential in the world so everyone was was so excited and you know, we will forever look back at these days and like flipping. I, I apologize that, you know, my, most of my references are basketball and soccer because that's that's mainly what I I'm not a, the biggest baseball guy. I know that you love your baseball cards, but, you know, flipping Casey Akpala and guys who literally like weren't even in the league like we were spending. There was videos, you know, I'll, I'll make fun of me. Like I, I talked about some of these guys who weren't even playing, like looking back at that time. It, it only really could be during the pandemic that you're speculating on guys who aren't even on an NBA roster. I think that that was definitely an interesting time. Uh, and there, you know, uh, boost booster checks. Uh, I'm, I'm missing the word for it, but the, the government checks and all this stuff, a bunch, a bunch of it plays into it, but yeah, I guess we'll never know a hundred percent. There's a, there's, that's a whole, probably a whole nother podcast, right? Determining what caused the boom. There are so many stones that we turn up on this show that I, I'll have endless <laughs> episodes coming up. But yeah, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right with that. Um, yeah, I, I think that's interesting too. You know, we can we can talk about the the stimulus checks, of course, and people not having access to that. Um, mm -hmm. But being wrong, so to speak, and I guess being wrong would be that you would say that this card is going to go up in value, and you give it within this time frame, and if it doesn't, then then you're wrong. And that's what we mean by yeah. that here. You've said that you have put out videos where there are takes that probably are pretty funny right now, but you also probably have some pretty good ones that look pretty smart right about now too. Um, it seems that we really like to focus on the bad ones. So maybe because we find them funny, maybe it's because it it's a self-fulfilling prophecy where we think that all the investment type advice is going to be wrong. So we, you know, we revel in it when people are actually wrong. And a lot of the really prolific YouTubers out there with some of the large followings, I know that a lot of their, uh, I, there are jokes that are made like about certain players because they said that they would go up in a video or something like yeah. that. Uh, how do you think that social media has influenced it? Because now it, in the past, let's go back maybe like five, 10 years, if you were putting your money into a prospect in baseball, a first Bowman prospect, or maybe you were buying a contender's rookie auto in football or NTRPA in basketball. It wasn't as talked about on the internet back then. There was really no evidence. It was more so hearsay that you were going to put it in. And then if you, you could just put all those cards in a drawer that said like, 
no, I never put money in Jerickson Pro Far. I was never on Michael Carter Williams. Like nobody ever told me <laughs> that wasn't me. That was someone else. Whereas yeah. now these videos are out there and people can go back and reference them. They clip them. They uh, post screenshots of old tweets and Instagram posts with it. How do you think that has kind of played into this? Uh, you were wrong, I guess, blaming, finger pointing type of mentality that we have now. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a, a big part of it. I think that's part of putting yourself out as a content creator who does give quote unquote picks everyone to, to dunk on someone because they gave a bad pick. Everyone, everyone has a buddy who they were at the bar with, like, like you said, who was like, no, Michael Carter Williams is the real deal or Brandon Jennings. If you've never been wrong about sports, then you should move to Vegas. And then that should be like your, or you should be in a GM's office even better if you've never been wrong on a prospect. So Everyone's been wrong on a prospect, but when you're a, a content creator or you social media or any of that, you're like you said, your picks are out there. So it's easy to clip them and make fun of them. And, and the tough thing for me to kind of balance is a couple things. First of all, like advice changes, you know, you probably know even better than me stuff that you were doing 10 years ago that you, you thought was good, maybe doesn't work now or even a year ago or stuff like that. So going back to base prism, something people have talked kind of bad about now, I, I really genuinely do think if you're looking at it from quote unquote, an investing point of view, that was, there, there was opportunity there. I, I don't want to say it's good advice, but I think you know what I'm kind of, you know, hinting at. And, and then the other thing too, that I kind of struggle with is, especially for entertainment purposes, I, I think people do enjoy a, a certain section of the hobby joys when people do give or talks about potential undervalued players or because when I do it, I, I think of it just to give people ideas, you know, oh, I didn't know that uh, Tyler Hero, I didn't know he was that good. I didn't know he was injured for most of the season. So he does have a lot of potential to do good things. But then you get into rightfully so that argument of if I say I think and I never speak in absolutes, if you say if you buy this guy, you'll three extra money and you're wrong. I think you deserve to get dunked on if you speak in absolutes. But if I say, I think Tyler Hero has a lot of upside next season, he could improve and potentially be an all-star, but you know, and then he doesn't become an all-star and you bought him. Is that a hundred percent my fault? You got to have some responsibility at a con as a content creator, but like, where, where do you draw that line? Like who's, where do, where do we decide that? That's kind of the thing I, I struggle with. I don't think anyone can blame you, though, if they take your advice and decide to run with it. I mean, that 99.9% yeah. .9 of those who have YouTube channels on here, they are not certified financial planners or financial advisors. Yeah. They don't, they're not supposed to give you advice. Like, I think if you view these videos as entertainment or just as you said, ideas to possibly go mm -hmm. out there and expand your, your collection and that's the funny thing too with a lot of this too is that i feel like a lot of what you've said here today i i'm thinking about it in my head as you say it and i've watched your videos before and i'm not necessarily of the investor mindset do i like for my cards mm. to appreciate in value yes i think everybody does but i can apply a lot of what you say as a collector as well but i don't think a lot of people get that don't they don't really take that opportunity why do you think that there is that disconnect where you know, maybe an audience that might be catered more towards my content that is very collecting focused may not 
adventure into the investor type of content because they don't feel like it relates to them? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's a that's a good question. I think for some people, it's as simple as they just don't enjoy it. You know, I, I think there's something to be said as a collector. Like, I could totally imagine like, hey, man, when I get home from work, I don't want to think about numbers. I don't want to be looking at charts and, and, and population reports. I just want to, hey, this this Miguel Cabrera gold card looks cool to me. I'm going to buy it. I want to see what JT just picked up. I have no interest in your uh, picks of PJ Washington. And like, it can be as simple as that. And I think that's great. But on the other hand, I do think that once again, I think there are some people who, because someone is newer to the hobby, they don't think they can learn anything from them. I think maybe pivot too, or they're, they're a little bit more dismissive based upon, oh, this guy has thumbnails or he has this face, like you know, stuff that's easy to make fun of, you know, and, and they're like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not listening to any of this when I think for the most part, you can always, you can always learn stuff from each other. But like I said, you know, my content isn't for, for everyone. And then other people who are more collecting focused, like uh, would say like, okay, my content isn't for everyone as well. Like, that's just how it is. Like certain content isn't for certain people or certain videos even, you know, and I've always said that. I think that's great. I think it's great that there's different ways for people to enjoy the hobby and, and different content for them to view. I gotta say it is very simple and enjoyable to do the caveman style. This gold Miguel Cabrera card looks good. I'm gonna buy it. That's <laughs> I do agree. Well, I I do agree yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, that's really what it comes down to sometimes with it is just that mm -hmm. pure intrinsic, like this card looks cool. I can afford it, yeah. I'm gonna buy it. And it is it is definitely very fun. And I get that too. Like it's we're constantly exposed to data. There's data on everything right now. There's data on things that probably doesn't even need to be data on. So I can understand yeah. why someone doesn't want, you know, this math lecture, this economics lecture on something that is supposed to be a leisure activity. You know, it's kind of one of those things and, where and, you, you turn your brain off. <laughs> and, and I apologize for butting in real quick. It's, it's all a spectrum too, right? Like I'm, I have no interest in, and like super quick flipping like there's videos out there where people would literally be like the psa 10 went up by 20 percent, but the psa 9 only went up by five percent so you gotta buy the psa 9 right now and then you'll sell it and you'll gain 10 percent. like i just can't do it i'm not built like that like that's not there's some you know 13 15 year old kid out there who loves that and that's the content he wants to see but but that's not like what i want to put out because it's not something i would do so it's all a spectrum you know what i mean like even, you know, some people might see my content once again, say this guy talks too much about money or investing, but then there's someone else who will be like, man, this guy doesn't give us enough. Stop talking about you like the card. Like, just tell us what to buy type stuff. You know, it all, it all just depends what you're interested in. I totally agree with that. And there's probably subliminal messages too, within a lot of what we say. I mean, watching your videos, you, I know that you mentioned this with me is that a lot of my portrayal i would say probably is more towards just like my pure enjoyment of some of the yeah. cards that i buy from my collection whereas if you look at some of my inventory pickup videos and you're going to see that it's more financially driven um, but you'll still get that that passion for it and i see that with yours too you know you're passionate about it mm -hmm. you do your research and, and part of that research may even be within um why you're so passionate about it like if you invest that much time we're not even talking about money here, but just the time investment to 
research these players, watch the games, watch their highlights. That is your time, which is a commodity that is not as easily replaced as dollars maybe. You can lose 90% on B.J. Washington, but you cannot get back that time you spent trying to buy P.J. Washington cards and going to look for them. That could have been very valuable, either hobby time where you could have done something else or even heaven forbid outside of the hobby too you could have gone and done something if you if you really wanted to but if you're looking uh, specifically at hobby time just focusing on you know what are the opportunity costs or what could you have been doing instead of doing that um so yeah that that is a really great point uh let's go back to the labeling thing because i, I kind of opened the show with that where we like yeah. to label ourselves as collectors or investors and we, we've talked at length so far about how there is this spectrum there where you can kind of fall somewhere in between. Why do you think it is that we want to label ourselves in one camp or another? And uh, I want you to tell me a little bit about maybe some of the feelings of maybe superiority or resentment that come from that too, because I know that one of the things that you said is that people may frown upon your content because maybe you haven't been doing this for a decade plus. Uh, maybe you haven't been in the hobby for 25 years and have all that experience. Kind of touch on that a little bit more too, because I think that's a very intriguing aspect of this. Yeah, well, I mean, once again, I think we have, we've set up about 20 to 30 offshoot podcasts uh, off the thoughts in this one. But I mean, the first one would be like, kind of like the tribalism we see in our word world now, right? Like that's just, to an extent you definitely know more about psychology than me, but at least this is my understanding. Like we, we were naturally kind of like tribal and we want to put things in groups. Like this is my group versus your group, at least to an extent. So, you know, that's going to happen in, in the hobby. It's like, okay, who are my people here? Who are my people in the hobby? And people will gravitate and say, Oh, okay. I'm a, I'm a collector. I'm in the collector crew or, I'm an investor. These these old guys don't know what they're talking about. I'm here making money. They don't know what they're doing. They're wasting their money collecting cards. And like, that's just kind of what I see happening. When in reality, like you said, somewhere in the middle, more of a spectrum. Um, in terms of feelings of of superiority, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot from both sides. You know, I the the classic comment as well that I, that I always like is like, uh, I only buy what I like, so I never lose money. And I'm like. Well, that's not true because you can definitely lose money buying what you like. Um, so yeah, you know, you, you see it from both sides and it's, uh, yeah, like you said, I don't, I don't know why we do it. You don't have to be in one group or the other. You don't have to, you can enjoy the hobby in your own way and do stuff at the same time. Like I buy cards all the time, um, that, that I, like John Collins, who, you know, a, a big Wake Forest guy, I sent some of his cards into you. He was my teammate in college. I will never sell my John Collins cards. Uh, but at the same time, I, you know, I'm a quote unquote flipping and investing F1. Like those two things can, can exist at the same time. I don't think that's a bad thing. I'm the same way in that regards, you know, I had, I had a class at Ohio state with a few athletes who are doing pretty well now at the NFL, NBA and WNBA levels. Um, and just saying those sports alone and knowing my age, most people can probably figure out who I'm talking about there, but yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, there are, I think to be interested in the hobby, even if you are mostly financially driven, 
as you said earlier, there's a lot of ways to make money out there, and there's a lot better ways to make money than sports cards. So you have to at least enjoy it from that purest standpoint to some extent. How much of it and whether these people want to admit it or not, I don't know. And maybe they don't even know the answer to that too. But yeah, um, I think one thing that we mistake in the hobby is experience doesn't always match up to being more knowledgeable. And Mm. generally speaking, or generally speaking, I should say, I'm also trying to be genuine, (laughs) but generally (laughs) speaking, if you look at people who have been in the hobby for a long time, generally they are more knowledgeable. Um, we've talked yeah, about 100%. big five personality factors. And one of them that I like to go to is openness to experience and being open to talking to people who may have different interests than you or different ideas than you is part of how we grow. If you constantly surround yourself with the same group of people who have the same exact opinions of you, that doesn't really foster an environment where you're going to be able to grow and you're going to be exposed to people who may have differing opinions, which it can be uncomfortable. I had someone on Twitter last night call me stupid. Like, I didn't really appreciate that, no, but it made me think. And I did appreciate the fact that they made me think and they did challenge my belief. And nobody likes to be challenged in their ways, especially if you've been doing it for a long time. You don't like to uh, adapt to change or, or, or be exposed to something that might be different than the way it was. You know, the hobby, generally speaking, is a very steady thing. Not much changes. And especially in the last two years, what we've seen is completely abnormal. And, and just being so hesitant to this change, I think, is in um, the different approach that we may be seeing today is, is very interesting, but it also may stunt our own personal growth. I want to try to look at this from a historical perspective really quickly too. Um, The talk about money and stuff, and I I hear the term junk wax era 2.0, and I hear so many comparisons to the late 80s and early 90s today. There was a similar sort of craze back then. And for those who were not around during the junk wax era like myself, so I'm speaking about this purely from, you know, anecdotes that I've heard from other people and, and research I've done on my own is that you have a bunch of people who were buying up cases of stuff like 87 tops and 88 fleer uh these products that were massively overproduced way more produced than you know prism basketball is today or flagship baseball even as you know it's, it's in a different stratosphere and you see people who are really investing in some of these cards that we kind of use now as memes like the 88 greg jeffries rookie um, you put your favorite baseball bust of the late 80s, early 90s here, and uh, that's kind of the, the running joke. But there are a lot of similarities between then and now where people were very much talking about the financial aspect of the hobby back then. What do you think is different today in this, I guess, new era that is very, there are definitely comparisons to the 80s and 90s. I'm not going to say it's the exact same because I really don't believe it is. But do you see any comparisons to those previous eras? Um, yeah, I mean, to an extent, obviously, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll freely admit as well, like I, I wasn't around then. Um, so I, I can't speak to exactly what was going on. But the main parallel I see is like, I also like when uh, the junk slab era, I think it's, uh, what do they say? History is like different, but it rhymes, you know, instead of 
focusing on wax so much. Like there are so many crazy slabs out there. And like, I'm definitely not the first one to make this observation, but the amount of second year base cards of guys who aren't even starters that like will be out there forever now is, is just crazy. It's going to be funny to look at that. But yeah, I mean that. And then the other one is just like the, when everyone has kind of the same plan, it, it usually doesn't work out that way. So once again, I wasn't around back then, but I, every, like you said, everyone was hoarding these boxes and the plan was, all right, we'll put these away and then they'll be worth thousands or millions or whatever it is 20 years from now. And then I think also during the pandemic, people were thinking, you know, the, sorry, <laughs> so many different podcasts we can do, but the, but the meme of you can't go wrong buying the goats. That's all you heard on YouTube. Um, everyone was like, well, if I buy a Michael Jordan card, I can't lose money. This will just go up forever. So it just kind of like those, those mindsets of, uh, yeah, this is easy. I just buy this. It'll go up forever. I, I have to imagine it was, it was a similar mindset to an extent back then, uh, buying and holding those, that wax. Yeah. We've seen a more recent example too, if the project 2020 type of thing yeah. where there is cards that immediately after the clock expires on tops.com they are pre-selling quote unquote on ebay for more than that amount and it's almost a guarantee it happens on every single one and i always say on this show if it's too good to be true it probably is in most cases unless it actually is too good to be true and then it's going to correct itself very quickly and i think we've seen that in a more drawn out way, the, the Project 2020 case study is interesting because it all happened at once. It was really one single weekend where we really start to see its demise, whereas maybe a lot of the newer players like you're, we're, we're going to keep picking on them here. I'm sorry, PJ Washington, if you're watching this, but all your <laughs> PJ Washington investors out there, it's been kind of a slow realization that uh, maybe he's not going to be this stud. Maybe he's more of a role player on the Hornets if they can really make it deep in the playoffs. And even if he stays on the Hornets, I mean, we've seen quite a few of these guys get moved around. And there's a big trade this week with Tyrese Halliburton. We thought that he was going to be oh. the centerpiece they build around in the with the Kings. And what a terrible trade! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I mean it is. Sorry, Kings fans out there, if you're out there, but I. Yeah. I'm scratching my head at that one. I don't I don't quite understand it. But I mean, these things so they they just change so rapidly. And it is it's difficult to keep up. And I, I think that might be part of it too, with, with some of the old heads where us who have been around for a while, is that how rapidly things evolve. We don't like that. I, I'm more of a slow pace, let's take a really steady type of guy. I'm a slow burn. I don't like to move fast with really anything that I do. Very methodical. Yeah, but do you, do you think that leads into it at all yeah 100 percent. but i but i i did want to say one thing like you know mentioning the the older heads and you know i've i've been speaking from one of the more the investor newer perspective they and being open to ideas like they were right about so much like you know going back to the pj washington people were making three or four x off pj washington and they thought they were bulletproof like oh these old they don't, they don't know what they're talking about at all like they were having success so they thought they had been like it is there is a lot of people and everyone to an extent at least had like a one percent drop of this you you had been the hobby for a year and a half a year and you thought you knew everything in the world and and that that was a big mistake 100 percent 
Yeah, I mean, the the new breed, like there is, as I, as I said before, is that now experience and knowledge usually go hand in hand, but it doesn't necessarily have a direct correlation where you may have been in yeah. the hobby for a while, but if you kind of just, if you don't really open yourself to, to challenging your thoughts and beliefs, it does stunt that growth. And there are these little blips in time where we see, you know, everything goes up. It's, it's happened before and what happened you know, this past year, it will happen again. I don't know when it will happen, but it will happen again in the future. I, I don't know if it will be the same, what it will really look like, what cards will be affected by it, but it's going to happen. And it will be interesting to see when it happens and what that looks like. This is going to be a tough question. Uh, and I, I like to usually go for the, the tough questions at the end of the show as we build up to them is that with all of the new people that have come into the hobby if you know not all of them of course have been financially driven there are some people who have returned who who really just you know they want to collect cards for collecting cards and that's pretty much it and if they go up in value so be it do you think that there has been a net positive or a net negative impact on the hobby through kind of the investor mindset that has swept through it and why Ooh, that's, that's a very good question. I appreciate you definitely did save a, a tough question for last. I mean, I'm super biased, but if I had to choose one, I have to say net positive. I mean, you think about one off the bat, like people, people have said this a lot, but I think it's a good point. Like there's a lot of true collectors out there who had for whatever, you know, they wanted a LeBron James rookie auto. And uh, you'd probably know better for, better than me what that was going for in like 2017. But comparatively, let's just call it $2,000. There's people who have who have sold, you know, $2,000 cards for 300K. And that's like life-changing money. So for those people, I don't know how you can't be happy. I mean, I, I would have to imagine like if you've been, even if you've just been purely collecting for all this time and you only sold a couple cards, like, it had to have been hard to lose money. Like you gotta have made, you know, something if you were if you were holding all this time. So I mean, that's definitely got to be a positive. I think that the new ideas have brought some cool things. Like uh, this is kind of a a, a tough one right now because of obviously what happened. But like uh, you take a company like Starstock, right? I, I I live in the Philippines. I got people overseas. I think that was a pretty cool website for people to kind of like get exposed to sports cards and you know even if they can't buy physical cards to to have an investment in in Tyler Hero and to watch him play well or uh you know Luciano and see if he gets called up like you know that's 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 cool that the new hobby brought that in um so I I think there have been genuinely a lot of products and stuff that's been brought in by the new blood brought in by the investment and, and brought in by the money in the hobby um, obviously, the negatives we're we're seeing a lot of it now, but I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, it's hard for me to argue that the benefits don't outweigh the the cons, at least in in my opinion. Yeah, and if you look at the branching effects from everything you talked about, you know, you're not just Starstock, but other platforms as well that have emerged and how it has impacted mm-hmm. people. And regardless of how you choose to engage with the hobby. They have prolific, profound impacts on people that gives them more tools to enhance their hobby experience, which I think is key. And it's very easy to get caught up in the the Walmart brawl 
stories because those are the ones that make the headlines. It's very easy to get caught up in the news about the scams and really read into it and just feast on this negativity that, that dampens our hobby experience. And seeing a lot of that lately where it's been a lot of negative news to come out to start the new year. And it, it can be difficult when you're constantly exposed to that. And those are the stories that are gaining so much traction. You see it on your timeline or your news feed or your uh, recommended videos or your scroll on Instagram. What platform am I missing here? What do, what do we call it on TikTok? I'm not on TikTok. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but if you are, you know, there's probably something on there, too, I imagine, about all this stuff. Uh, it's very It can be very deflating. When, when you get all that, but there, there has been a lot of really cool. I, I think the biggest thing for me personally is the excitement, right? Like, um, in, in Josh Luber's little manifesto that he put out a few months ago, he called it where he had some kind of section that was called like collecting cards is cool again. But I know that some of us who've been around for a while are like, buddy, it's already been cool. You're just jumping into it now. Like it's, <laughs> it's really fun and really cool, but it, more people are enjoying our hobby. And I, I say our hobby, it's, it's such a bad way to say it because I don't want to, it's kind of gatekeepy with the way I say it like that. More people are experiencing the hobby that a lot of us who have been in it for a while have really enjoyed. It just may not have grown in the way that we wanted it to maybe, or it is not, um, mm happen over the course that we want but who's who are you to say and by you i mean anyone like to say oh this this can't be like this no no this this is not how the hobby is supposed to grow i mean there's no really explicit instructions there so yeah i i agree too there there has been a net positive and you know that i wouldn't say let the let the few bad apples really spoil the whole batch with it so um i have one final question for you here today and that's kind of just to wrap it all up. This one might be a little bit more difficult to fair warning, but Ooh, okay, we, will, uh, yeah, we will uh, wrap it up with this is that, so we, we talked about why there is this divide. There are, there's kind of two different camps here. How do we close the gap? What, where do we create that bridge of understanding where we can kind of dispatch with some of this resentment or some of this confusion uh, or any of these feelings of bitterness that we see between the two sides? Um, I would say the biggest thing that you kind of mentioned too earlier is, is openness from, from both sides. So if you're, um, you know, it, I think especially everyone should do it, but one of the biggest things I think is if someone is new, I think we should go out of our way to, to be nice to them and kind of guide them and, and shepherd them in the hobby um, like I said, you know, when I was first doing my PSA submissions, I appreciate so much. Like I'm, I'm sure I, I would have to go back and look, but I'm sure some of the questions I asked were so, so dumb, but you, you probably knew I was, you know, newer to the hobby and you're like, Hey, like, no worry. You, you're not going to get a, a gem mint 10 on a patch card. Like though you shouldn't expect the 10 on that. Like that's, that's going to go a long way to, you know, building that bomb between the two groups and. You know, like being like, oh my, I, I learned so much from these these collectors and these people who have been in the hobby for a long time, and and that fondness will grow. And then, yeah, from from the new people as well. And I think you are starting to see it. Like, if I could speak more towards the investors, the newer people, like they're starting to learn about vintage cards and and buying their their first vintage cards and appreciating this this period of time and and how the sets change and getting into '90s inserts and, and stuff like that, like. You have to be open to that as well. 
So I, I think like both sides seeing the seeing the benefits to to the different kind of mindsets and then just like you know in general don't like no 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 tribalism there's there's no reason like we'll just see so much less negativity like let's just not call each other dumb like even for, honestly if you want to sit there and and think this guy you're watching on youtube is the dumbest person in the world you want to think i'm the dumbest person in the world by all means you can think that i can't i can't change how you think but like go and then spread that negativity and comment you're the dumbest person in the world and then make a youtube clip of this is why he's the dumbest guy in the world like let's let's there's a million different ways to enjoy the hobby which is what i always say and if you respect everyone's different way to do it and if you can even go and try to promote that make it an even better hobby experience for people it's going to benefit everyone you're going to have more fun you're gonna there's gonna be more card stuff more more stuff for you to do i think it's just it's just gonna be better for everyone you know my first words were john morant psa 10 to the moon when i was born no i'm just kidding like <laughs> when you asked you you said earlier that you know you you could look back on some of those questions that you asked when you first you know started submitting yeah. with me but a lot of those answers to those questions i didn't i wasn't born knowing those things i didn't enter yeah. the hobby with like this like Oh yeah, this is common sense. And I, I see a lot of questions yeah. on Twitter too with people who are just getting started. And maybe you look back at it now and you're like, oh man, why did I ask that? Like that's so obvious yeah. to me now. But yeah. it's not obvious to a lot of people. Like they're and it, it's really within this YouTube sphere that we're in. We're we're both content creators and we watch other content creators too. It's very easy to kind of get into this bubble where the jargon is very much it's commonplace. It's it's basic vocabulary to us, but not everyone who watches or people who may be entering in don't necessarily know these things. They aren't as well-versed. They are not as experienced even to, to know these things. So I, I think to shame anyone for not being on your level of knowledge, like have the same level of knowledge that you do is just, I mean, what do you really get out of that? Like, okay, you know more yeah. about sports cards than me. How does that make you a better person? How does that make you a better collector, investor, whatever you want to call yourself? It, it doesn't. It really does not matter in a sense. What you can do with that, the most helpful thing you can do is to share that knowledge, to pass it along to someone and help them. Because that's what will help them stick in the hobby. Nobody's going to want to hang around if you just say, well, back in my day. And then you go on this whole diatribe about, you know, how, how great you are, how great your collection is, or how good it used to be. Like, it, things change. And you kind of have to, to play into that a bit. And, and uh, granted, I don't want to pick on, you know, my my fellow old heads out there. I'm not picking on you. Yeah, I, I feel we've been a little tough on them this podcast. Yeah. I apologize because <laughs> if they if you're if you're still listening and you're and you're an old head, I, I'll apologize. We're we're not trying to you know pick on you or or put you down or anything because as you said, a lot of them are right, and a lot of what they have said, they're saying it because they have that experience and it has led up to it. They're just not always right. And yeah, and, and yeah, okay, I, sorry, I apologize. And we're just and we're and we're just playing a little bit of devil's advocate as well, because like like you said, just to be honest, like there there are some newer people who who think the older heads, as we call it, are dumb. But I don't think I haven't seen like and like I said, that's uh, once again another podcast. All the negatives that new people have brought into the hobby, but in general, I haven't seen too much negativity in terms of like we need to get these old heads out of the hobby or something like that. So we're just 
you know, playing a little bit of devil's advocate here. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I'm glad you said that because I, I agree with that too, that most of what I see in terms of the resentment comes from one side, but it is definitely, it is not yeah. a one-sided uh, thing here for sure. So um, I think being able to, if you see someone who is new in the hobby, perhaps they don't have the same interests as you. In fact, they probably don't. They probably want to do, you know, they, they want to collect what they want to collect, but to, to shame them or belittle them because they want to do things a certain way, as long as you're not really hurting anyone or being a jerk, then I don't really see a problem with that. And I, I think, you know, if you're, it's kind of that no harm, no foul type of mentality. I think if you carry that along, then it can go a long way. Uh, Troy, thank you so much for all your time today. Do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap up the show? Uh, no, I mean, just thanks. Thanks so much for having me on. And like you said, it's, it's, <laughs> it makes it sound so serious. Like the, the joke is obviously at the end of the day, it's, it's pieces of cardboard, but I really do think as corny as it sounds like conversations like this between two people who would be considered like on different sides of the spectrum are, are, are just great to have. And I, and I, and I really do enjoy it. And, and thank you for everything you do. You did for me getting into the hobby and, and everyone. And, uh, Here's to more <laughs> submissions, hopefully in the future. Yeah, I hope so. I've been missing them lately, so we'll yeah. we'll get in on that. And thank you for all you know the knowledge and the approach that you take with your audience too. I think you do a good job, and you present a very realistic portrayal. That's not necessarily what I see all the time with a lot of the the channels out there that may be financially driven. So thank you for the content that you put out. I I enjoy it too. Um, you know, I appreciate that. I want, yeah, I. A lot of the things in there, you know, I'm not always towards like the investor mentality and trying to make money. You know, I, this is my my business too, but I, there are definitely things that I've taken away and learned from you as well. That there, there's a couple of things you said in this show today that I learned and I hadn't really thought of before. So I'm glad that I could even take that away for myself, and I hope that everyone listening uh, feels the same way as well. I always like to make sure that we leave off with a place to find you so that people can go engage with your content more and learn a little bit more about yourself. So you're on YouTube, of course, we'll leave a link to your channel down below, but where else can people find you if they want to engage with your content a little bit more? Yeah, uh, Instagram, uh, trike415cards, and then my personal Instagram, at Troy Reich. Uh, happy to talk with anyone if for, for whatever reason, you know, passing it on. If someone's new to the hobby, I always do my best to answer questions and, you know, make make the hobby at best the best place it can be for everyone. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Sports Card Psychology Podcast. I'll be back next week with a little NFL Super Bowl fallout episode. Be going solo on that one, but I've got some uh, some cool topics planned for that one, so can't wait. And then we'll be back with another special guest the following week after a little recess last week. So thank you so much for supporting the show. Of course, if you want to support the show even more, there is a link to my eBay store down below. I didn't really have a creative shameless plug, so I'm just going to be straightforward with it. It is, in the, it is in the description down below. You can also catch me streaming on whatnot. In fact, when this podcast goes live today, you'll probably see me finishing up my stream, but you can go jump into my auctions there. You can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, most places under ITS, Triple Crown, or Triple Crown 24. Make sure you go check out all of Troy's accounts on his platforms as well and go check out his channel on YouTube linked in the description down below. If you have any feedback on today's topic, please leave it in the comments section down below if you are listening on YouTube. 
or feel free to reach out via email if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We do really appreciate you taking the time to listen to us today. We hope that you took something away from it. Until next time, we'll see you. Stay safe. Take care. Be kind. I messed up my order. Apologies for that. <laughs>